Welcome to the Fantasy NASCAR Podcast. I am Race for the Prize. You can follow me on Twitter. You can go to racefortheprize.com and get information about how to access the Fantasy NASCAR spreadsheet for DraftKings. You're simply going to Venmo, PayPal, or Cash App $30 to my account, and then I will send you over access to the Google folder. Very simple, basic transaction. This is not a big website. This is not a big organization. Put the money on the counter, and I will throw you in. Or $12 for the Daytona week. And speaking of Daytona, let's continue to talk about the Daytona duels. We're doing the duels again. Yeah, we're going to keep doing the duels because it hasn't happened yet. And i got to talk about something for an excuse to promote the Fantasy NASCAR spreadsheet because Daddy's got bills to pay. Real quick reminder of the sheet. You can see their DFS finishing position, meaning... In 2018, Joey Logano scored the most fantasy points in his dual race. You can see their regular finishing position. In 2018, he finished second, though, in the actual race. And we can see his starting position. We can see start versus finish, his average place differential. More importantly, how often is he in the top six or, for all intents and purposes, an optimal DFS pick in his clash race? In the eight clash races at DraftKings, he has participated in six times, 75%. That's the highest rate. If you are playing the clash every season and you're picking Joe Logano, you are doing it right. Even if he is starting in the front. Oh, he's starting too close to the front. As we said in the previous podcast about chasing place differential, check it out. I believe that finishing position is a bigger deal, as you can see here. 75% top six for Harvick, for Bell, for Bubba Wallace, for Austin Sindrick. 67%, 67% for Bubba Wallace. But we're seeing high top six DFS scores. We are not necessarily seeing that they're starting in the back. Their average starting positions are 7, 9, 7, 10, 8, 8. The top six drivers, 7, 8 drivers in terms of of being a top six DFS score, the top eight with the highest average of top six return rate all start on average inside the top 10. They are seventh, ninth, seventh, 10th, eighth, eighth, seventh. We're not starting the front row on average, but we're not starting drivers outside of the top 10 on average. As I talked about yesterday, 10 to 15 seems to be a pretty good sweet spot. 15 to 20, you're really risking it. Seems It's very unlikely data-wise. But the number that absolutely stands out and is very common and certain is that maybe starting position isn't as big. There are some drivers we might exclude. But one thing that we absolutely need from every driver is we need them to finish up front. Logano can finish up front. Kevin Harvick can finish up front. Christopher Bell can finish up front. And... It's not just that they have the cars or the ability. They also are right around the starting position where they can still start up front and score a couple little place differential points and end up being optimal. Just to help you build your lineups. And then over here to review, what we can see is we're asking it if a driver finishes. Because, again, this is just rehashing yesterday. You think J.J. Yaley can drive from 20th? to 12th, and that's going to make it optimal? Well, I can simply say, all right, how many times 
has a driver finished, uh, I believe, the race is what I'm asking here. All right, yeah, no, finished DFS-wise. How many times the driver finished the actual race, let's say 12th, so we'll put 11, and ended up with a top six DFS score? So assuming a guy goes from 20th to 12th, we think that although there's not going to be a lot of finishing position points for that cheap driver, the place differential is going to make up for it, and they're going to get in the lineup. And the answer is zero times. Zero times has a driver finished 12th or worse and finished inside the top six in terms of DFS. You need drivers that finish inside the top five. So if we say, all right, well, what about drivers that finish 5th, 6th, 7th, 8th, 9th, and so on and so forth. Not quite top 1, 2, 3, or 4. But now that number jumps to 20. So we really need drivers inside the top 5. And obviously, as we include more positions, that number is going to go up. Any driver that basically what we're saying here is anybody that finished 3rd or worse. Not winner, not runner-up. 43 times. Well, very likely. Then over here, what we're doing with this category is we are saying starting position and trying to see you know how far back people can start and we'll see how many times the driver starting outside of the top 20 end up as a top six pick it's happened twice now i hear you're saying you just said jj yaley going from 20th to 12th is not going to work and that is absolutely correct J.J. Yaley going 20th to 12th, not going to work. But Corey LaJoy going from 20th to 5th, that will work. And that's what happened in the scenario that we would see, I believe, down here, Daytona 2023 dual race. So it does not mean you can't play guys in the back. But there are very few drivers that you really can trust way in the back. At the end of the day, starting position aside, we got to get you up to around fifth. And J.J. Yaley, B.J. McLeod, these drivers, Riley Herbst, boy, it's going to be very tough for them to get up to fifth. All right, let's look at Daytona races. And actually, I'll go over this trend sheet real quick. What this sheet is saying is start versus DFS rank. This is dual one. This is dual twos. In dual one. The driver starting first scored the 21st most fantasy points. The guys went to the back. And we can see it's very common for this to happen because the driver starting up front at the duel has locked in a front row starting position in the Daytona 500. The only way they lose that starting position in the Daytona 500 is if they wreck their car in the duel and have to go to a backup. So we will see mainly Alex Bowman and Hendrick Cars on occasion decide, I'm just going to go to the back, save my car, punt the duel, and then start on the front row. And that's why you see in 2023, the car starting first scored nothing. The car starting first scored nothing. And on average, the car starting first in duel number one scores the 13th most fantasy points. And we see that with two, and we see that with three. Very common doesn't really work out that could change as you can see occasionally it does depending on the driver and we will get a pretty good idea or have a pretty good idea of, oh this guy's not going to go to the back 
or this guy will go to the back. And then we can see a little bit of a sweet spot here. Driver starting fourth, fourth most fantasy points, fifth, sixth, sixth, fifth. Again, as we get a little bit back here, this is where things start to heat up. This is the sweet spot where driver starting, I would say, six to 13. They are close enough to the front to move to the front and score finishing position points. They are close enough to the front that they're not going to get excluded. They're not going to get locked out. They may pick the right freight train and move up. And they also have access to place differential points. They have access to both buckets. They can score finishing position points. They can score place differential points. The driver starting one through five can score finishing position points, but their access to the place differential bucket is limited. That makes it very hard on them. And then we have the converse of that here in the back where these drivers have much more access to place differential points in theory. I mean, it's available, but it's very unlikely. But they are also, they have in theory access to finishing position, but it's very unlikely. Whereas up front, if it weren't for these guys up here, just basically punting these races, but up here, staying up front, starting up front means finishing position probably is more likely, even though we see that not happen in the duel. Back here, it's just really hard to make your way. So the sweet spot, the Goldilocks zone, you can draw your lines wherever you want, 5 to 15, 6 to 12. You know, when we do Daytona and we do Talladega and we're breaking those races down and we're stacking in the back, maybe you draw 20th and back. That's where you draw your line in the sand. Maybe you move it up a little bit so that you can differentiate your lineups and say, no, I'm going to take the guy in 19th. I might take the guy in 18th. Maybe you push it even further back. Maybe you're more aggressive and you want a smaller player pool. And you go back to 25. There's never been a definitive answer to that question. It's just wherever you want to go. Maybe you're another person says, well, I'm going to draw the line at 20th, but I'm also going to pick one lap leader or maybe two lap leaders or maybe two guys in the top 20. It's however your pattern is going to be. And we seem to have a pattern of such here where it's almost like a bell curve where you really want to avoid the tails. One through five and 15 through 20. And then you're really targeting that 16 through 18. Run your statistics, run your standard deviations, and figure that one out. Have fun with it. But we can just simply see, looking at both duels from 2016 to 2023, only two times has the driver, starting first, finished with a top 60 FS score. That's 13%. It jumps up for second. It's actually pretty good. Second in Duel 2 seems to be halfway decent. 50% of the time, the driver starting second ends up in a top six score. Uh, the highest that we see is the four spot. The four spot comes in at a 63% clip. Not overwhelming, not the highest, but I mean, well, it is the highest, but there's not a huge difference. What we simply see is it's pretty close as we get back here in the Goldilocks zone of being pretty even. And then it starts to tail away as we get to 13th. It drops to five drivers have made it. And we get to 14th. Now we have four drivers that have been top six and 15-4 and 16-2. We do get five all of a sudden at 17. 
And we do see these duels kind of go in different directions sometimes. Duel 1 can dictate duel 2. Duel 1 is crazy. Sometimes drivers dual, dial it back in duel 2. Sometimes duel 1 is really calm and safe because they're scared. And then over here, we can just see start versus actual finish. And so we've got the driver starting first. They finish 17th in the actual duel. And he's going to cross-reference that. That was Alex Bowman. In 2022, duel, and this is going to be duel one. We got Kyle Larson starting first. He finishes seventh. Alex Bowman, you can see over here, 2021, starts first, finishes 20. So all that information is there. If you want to look at starting versus finishing patterns, I find the starting versus... DFS score much more relevant and helpful, but this also just gives you more data and more information on seeing who's going to the back, what are the circumstances. On average, this is interesting, the driver that starts fourth finishes fifth, whereas the drivers on the first three positions, first averages an 11th, second averages a ninth, third averages a 12th. Let's look at that and compare that to dual two. And we still see the driver first flying to the back, but then in dual two, driver's starting second, third, fourth. These guys just kind of go for it. Driver, driver starting second in dual two, on average, finishes fifth. The driver starting third in dual two, on average, just finished seventh. Fourth, fifth, fifth, average finish of seventh. And it makes a little bit of sense because drivers two, three, four, five, and six really don't have anything to lose. If the driver starting here survives this race in dual one then we know that pole position is pretty much locked up and so then we start the race and the guy in second sees the guy in first pull back he knows all right well the chances of me getting the front row are out the window because these guys are not going to wreck out the only way this car in second can get on the front row of the daytona 500 is if these guys wreck out the only way he can get there is if they race and when he notices that they're not racing the next thing is all right that scenario is gone now my starting position is going to be determined by where i finish this duel so i better finish this duel in a good spot even though we know it's plate racing and starting position probably doesn't matter all that much but that's usually the mindset and that's why i would assume that in the second duel we get more cars starting up front who decide to race because they know the odds of getting the front row out the window. And the only thing that they can do is secure a position by running well in their duel. Let's look at some previous duel lineups as we close out the podcast. Again, if you go to raceforthepriz.com, that's where you get access to the Fantasy NASCAR spreadsheet. 12 bucks for the Daytona weekend, 30 bucks for the month. Daytona, Atlanta, Las Vegas, projections, practice data, past results, and all the tools that you need to play Fantasy NASCAR. Thanks for joining me. Subscribe and share and like this thing. I don't really have a lot of long advertisements about bet some whatever website. I just get to the data, try to help you out. And I hope you appreciate that. Subscribe, share, like. Let's look at the most recent duel. We'll look at the names. We'll look at the starting positions. We'll look at the finishing positions. We'll look at some averages. We'll look at some salaries. No cautions in the first dual race last year. A lot of money left on the tables. You can see it was $5,000.
Your top six drivers finished second, first, five, three, four, and eight. Again, you need to get your guys up front. The starting positions were between third and 15th. So a little closer to the front. But when we look and see who it was, we're not completely surprised. It's Joey Logano, a driver who tends to be more aggressive in these plate races. A guy that's probably not going to back down like Tom Petty. Scores you 29 lap sled points. Ryan Blaney also scored 30. Not a surprise. Team Penske, pretty solid at these plate tracks. As far as names go, big name Bell, big name Logano, McDowell, smaller team, but uh, Daytona 500 winner, Blaney. Busher has been very solid at the plate tracks of the season. Zane Smith would be your exception. But, you know, I would have to look and see if he was in. Well, he's probably in Front Row Motorsports car. Front Row Motorsports puts together pretty solid equipment. I would want to double check that, but I couldn't imagine he was in a Rick Ware car for that race. I know he had not. But he wasn't a part of Trackhouse yet. He hadn't been loaned out to Spire. That's this season. So we have pretty much a front row motorsports. Not an insane, completely crazy punt. Starting 15th, sure there would have been a little bit of risk involved, but definitely on 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 the board. Not quite on the tail of the bell curve. Just inside that Goldilocks zone of 5 to 15 or wherever you want to draw it, and he squeezes in. Same thing with McDowell, a little safer, a little closer. You know he has pretty decent history. This lineup is... Not really surprising. And I guess worth noting is there were no cautions. And so there was no like, oh, these guys, uh, you know, Michael McDowell and Zane Smith advanced through attrition or Michael McDowell and Zane Smith survived because they avoided wrecks. No, they had to race their way up to positions. And it wasn't really a gargantuan feat for Zane Smith to go 15th to 8th. I would like to know what his average running position was in that race. All right, let's pop down here to the second duel. This is where we got a little bit more of an anomaly, but not necessarily. We've got cautions in this one. You got debris in lap seven, and then you got a wreck. Lap 42 takes out a bunch of cars, and when you take out a bunch of cars, that's going to leave the situation where we will see drivers from the back move forward. doesn't mean everyone is going to get personally escorted to the front. It's not like they're going to pull out the velvet rope and say, all right, this way, drivers in the back. You guys starting 15th through 20th, you come all the way to the front. The reality is, it's like, there's something crazy that happens in the crowd. They don't really, like, the bodyguards don't roll out the velvet rope to lead you to the front. But there's a disturbance in the crowd, and a couple of those guys in the back, they sneak through. And that's what Corey Joy does. But even in sneaking through from 20th, and Todd Gillen sneaking through from 17th. The real story, once again, is where did they finish the race? And they finished in 5th for LaJoy. Gillen finished in 7th. The top 60 FS scores, 5, 1, 7, 3, 4, 2. Again, starting position can kind of be dispersed. Tends to be in the Goldilocks zone. But the one thing that is concrete and consistent is You've got to get the drivers to finish up front. And we can go a step further. And there's plenty of money left on the table. We get down here, we can see. In this race, the average starting position of a top six driver was 10th. 
the average finishing position was fourth. We compare that to the previous. Average finishing position is still fourth. Average start is ninth. So even though we had these guys way in the back, the average was still pretty low. Now, the reason that that likely happened was we didn't get the people in the Goldilocks zone because that got wrecked out, and so we ended up with people closer to the front and further in the back, which is what happened. Duels from 2022. Who we got here? This is where you get to the point where I don't even you don't even remember these races. There's not a lot of context around them. So when I say there wasn't a crash in the 2020 dual race one, I don't remember. You can go back and watch all the duels on YouTube. You're not going to. And I can't imagine anyone else is trying to provide context. And if someone is out there making great quality fantasy NASCAR data and going through the last 16 dual races and providing context to every single race, more power to them. Check out their videos, subscribe, like, share. But I suspect that most people doing their own research, most people making their own videos are more than likely just leaning heavily on and into the numbers. That's what we're doing here. If that's not your bag, baby, then I apologize to you. Sometimes we make some broad sweeping generalizations in terms of these duels because, again, I'm not going back and watching all the dual races. I trust that this data is pretty solid. The patterns are clear that we can just look at the numbers. That's plate racing, folks. And here we are again. We look at the top six scores for the duel. Kazowski won. Austin Sendrick finishes second. Blaney finishes third. You got a one, two, three Penske there. Briscoe in four. So... Top scores, one, two, three, four, all finished. One, two, three, and four. Then you got Eric Jones, fifth most points, finishing sixth. And then you got Kurt Busch with the sixth most fantasy points, finishing ninth. And their starting positions, all in the Goldilocks zone. The scores range, or the starting positions range from seventh to 13th. And here we are again, our averages. Didn't really change much. Tenth, average finish of fourth. Those are your targets. Tenth, your drivers need to start in or around tenth. That's the Goldilocks zone. You have five to 15. What's the average of five and 15? Five plus 15 equals 20 divided by two equals 10. And our average finishing position is fourth. As we said, you got to really aim for that top five. A couple of them are going to be outside of it. Couple who are going to be winners and runner-ups. Those are your targets. Those are your goals. Let's look at Duel 2 and see if the pattern's the same. Wouldn't you know it? Your average starting position for the Duel 2022. Duel number 2 is 10th. And your average finish of a top 6 DFS score is once again 4. What is their finishing position? Almost identical. Pusher scores the most. Wins. McDowell, second place, second on the DFS scoreboard. Kyle Busch, fourth, third on the DFS scoreboard. Ricky Stenhouse Jr. finishes eighth, but he started 16th. So kind of getting out into that tail, but he is one of those drivers. What, three restrictor plate wins? The 2023 Daytona 500 winner? Well, obviously, at this time, he had only had two, but he knew his way around. So, Ricky Stenhouse starting 16th wasn't 
the craziest proposition. It's probably pretty popular. And he got from 16th to 8th, not hard to do, and he gets the fourth most fantasy points. Harrison Burton, 5th to 3rd. So that one, a little shaky, might have scared you some, man. That's a, closer to the front tail. Like, ah, can he get it done? That would have been the unconventional pick. And then last in Christopher Bell, once again, popping in here. Starts 8th, finishes 7th. Not a huge day, but does enough. Let's look at the 2021 dual races. Our first dual post the COVID stuff. Yo, yo. All right. Anyone want to take guesses on your average start and average finish? 11th and 4th. Oh, I tricked you. It's not 10th this time. It's 11th, but it's basically the same thing. Our starting positions for this race range from 2 to 18. So much more spread out. We got a guy in duel number one that actually goes for it. Eric Amarillo says, pulls his best Tom Petty and says, I will not back down. Leads 52 laps. Wins the 2021. Duel number one. Second most fantasy points. You got a Newman 12 to 3. 12th place starting position, Goldilocks zone. Ty Dillon 17th to 6th. You're getting out there on that one. That's a little scary, but he gets it done. Probably motivated again. No cautions in this race, so we can't provide that context. But I'm operating under the assumption that maybe Ty Dillon had to race his way into this. He had to get the last transfer spot. So maybe that was some added motivation that maybe DFS players were aware of. And so playing Ty Dillon starting 17th wasn't too out there. But if Ty Dillon were locked into the race starting 17th, I would be less likely to roster to the guy. And I think that's probably the case since he was driving a Toyota. I don't know what team that would have been off the top of my head. Anyway, I think Jermaine had shuttered by then. Had he transferred, I would have to look. I really thought that in 2021, or was it 2022, the year that he quit and had the terrible. I would say, if I have to remember correctly, this is the year where he has the terrible Xfinity comeback year where he gets the JGR car for like six races and it's terrible in all of them. He films the video about, I quit today. And people mocked him and made fun of him. And, but then he came back and they got that Cup Series ride, I think in 2022 and 2023. Yeah, I think 2021. He's probably, he's part-time Xfinity, part-time Cup, probably racing his way in. And we are spending way too much time talking about Ty Dillon. Ty Dillon's mom talks about Ty Dillon less than I do. Joey Logano starts 11th, finishes 4th. Bell, 42. Bell popping up again. Mr. Duel, Christopher Bell. And we know that. We saw top six scores. I believe, what was it, 67%? Almost 75% of the time. He takes these duel races seriously. Jamie McMurray, 18-10. That kind of pushes the theory. That says, well, you know, he's on the tail of the bell curve. He's way out there. He's outside of the Goldilocks zone. And that's right. And that's correct. None of these things are definitive. None of these things are locked in stone. And I'll repeat what I've said before in previous podcasts. It's not necessarily a bad thing that they're not set in stone. Because if the pattern was locked in, if the rules were set, then simply you could just punch it into a simulation, punch it into the algorithm, the AI, the projection thing, and enter 150 lineups, have it calculated for you. Just start drivers between 
14th and 10th, pop, 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 done. Then there would be a bunch of duped lineups from a bunch of whales, and people like you and me wouldn't have any point in playing. But because of angels like Jamie McMurray breaking the trends by scoring points at the tails, they open up the player pool, they make it not necessarily certain that something is going to happen, and that allows us to hand build or even allows you to mass build, but not on a massive scale. It doesn't allow the computers to completely predict it. So the big time players know this. So they don't go as heavy into this. Maybe they'll play NBA on Thursday night. Although NBA Thursday night sites are usually kind of small, they might jump into the duel. But for the most part, it's again, broad generalization that a lot of the heavy hitters in the DFS industry that lean heavily into simulations and projections, which I am not saying a bad thing about. They are wonderful. They've made people tons of money. Sheets commented that I went on an anti-sim rant. I didn't go with it. just doesn't make any sense. If you listen to what I say, I say clearly the benefits of the sims and the negatives of the sims. But overall, it's a net positive from my standpoint. I mean, it, it's look, A, Sheets made a ton of money just cramming projections. How could I be negative about that? What's the negative? That Sheets is doing well? I mean, I'm not resentful. Are you resentful? Is Sheets resentful of himself? No, I think he's doing happy. And I think Mrs. Sheets is pretty happy and everything's well. We're all happy for him. So that's a positive. And then the other positive is, is that the sheet, the Sims can't necessarily do NASCAR that much. And so that's good for us too. So it works in both fields. I, I don't understand where the... I guess it's just my tone sometimes. <laughs> I, I, I sound like a negative person a lot, even when I'm, that's not good. It's not good to sound negative even when you're happy and positive. Probably need to work on that. So, Jimmy Murray breaks the trend a little bit there. Let's go down to duel number two. So, we'll grind through these. Got plenty of cautions over here. And so, my first alert on my cell phone bunch of cautions, we might break some trends. Let's go down to our averages. Starting position seventh, average finished fourth. Now that is not what I expected. Maybe you're like me and assumed that, oh, if we get quite a few cautions, this is gonna open the door for place differential drivers, which means the top six are mainly gonna come from the back. And we see the opposite. So we're seeing more drivers from the front, which again, not having the exact context, we would have to explain this by saying that it appears that the wrecks happened in the middle of the field or in the back half of the field. And so the reason why you didn't get drivers starting in the back moving to the front is because they just got knocked out. Austin Dillon scores the most points, starts fourth. We do get a Corey LaJoy appearance, 17th to 7th. Bush starts eighth, but that's Goldilocks zone. Then we got Harvick starting third, finishing third. Bob Wallace starts second, finishing second. And then last, Ryan Blaney starts ninth, go to Luxo, zone, sixth. Three of those drivers broke the trend. I suppose that just has to do with the chaos. Guys staying up front. It is duel number two, which does tend to favor cars starting up front, as we mentioned before, like second, third, and fourth have made quite a few top six DFS performances because they got to lock themselves into a solid position. They're not going to benefit from the leader wrecking out, et cetera. So there is that. 
Let's jump on down to Duel 2020 before the end of the world. Our average start versus our average finish, 10 to 4. There it is, once again. That's where you're throwing your dart. 10 is your bullseye. If you go a little off 10, you go a little further back, a little further forward, you're fine. And then your other bullseye is you want to get that top four, top five, top six. Got to envision your driver that you're selecting doing that. If you don't think that guy can get up into that spot, you know, there's a sweet spot for starts. There's a sweet spot for finish. And you look at Joey Logano. Let's just play the game. Say, all right, he's starting sixth. Yeah, he's close enough to the gold block zone. Now he's getting out there. He's getting a little too close. But, you know, the porridge is still pretty warm. You know, it's not too hot or too cold. So he would qualify. Not the safest. But then we go to finishing position. We ask, can he hit the bullseye in terms of a top six? Like, oh, yeah, absolutely. That porch tastes good. It's just the right temperature. It's just the right consistency. Creamy. I, mean, I don't know. I, I don't think I've ever had porridge. I guess it's creamy and gooey. Maybe not gooey. I don't know. You have to ask uh, the bears what they think about it. So Lagana 6 to 1. Bubble Wall 17 to 5. That might seem like a stretch, but you know, there's going to be exceptions made. We're always going to allow context to enter the chat. And it is Bubba Wallace. So Bubba Wallace starting 17th, that would be an exception. J.J. Yale is starting 17th, stand behind the rope. Bubba Wallace, this way, sir. J.J. Yaley, I don't care who you say you are. Oh, yeah. You know Bubba Wallace, J.J.? Okay, you're friends with him? All right, just uh, stay on the other side of the rope, folks. Okay, thanks. All right, wait your turn. Yeah, no, I might let you in. I might not let you in ever. Ever. Shouldn't pick on JJ Yale, but it's just the name that pops in the head. Brakislawski, 12th to 4th, right there in that Goldilocks zone. Yes, starting 12th, you like Brakislawski. Brakislawski, can he finish in the top? Yes. And another thing we would add to that, you don't just want to say blindly, oh, his name is Brakislawski. Uh, he can finish up front. Well, yeah, but remember, make sure he's not starting too far to the back. Even top tier drivers aren't necessarily going to be guaranteed a front row position. Bubba Wallace wasn't guaranteed. We just said that, yeah, Bubba Wallace, he's going to be on the board. He can get up there. We know there's some risk involved. It's not going to be as easy as Joey Logano finishing first. Newman, 8-3. to third. Austin Dillon, 15-6. to six. I put Austin Dillon in that same category as Bubba Wallace. Uh, yeah, he's getting out there towards the tail. Forge is getting cold. But Dylan's a pretty good plate racer. We've seen him give top six in multiple duels, win actual plate races in every series. Eric Almirola, 4-2. Porridge is a little hot, but we have seen in 2020 and in 2021, Almirola starts up front and stays up front. That's been the trend. Doesn't really help us much now moving forward with the retired driver, but it does when we look at guys who tend to stick to a pattern. In your average, 10 to 4. And what was our money on the table in that situation? Because none of those guys necessarily were super cheap. And that one actually went over. You had to go down a little bit and move off of probably Eric Amarola and go down to Ricky Stenhouse Jr. Or move off of Kozlowski and take Martin Trucks Jr. Well, probably not, but still pretty close. 
we might as well just keep grinding through. Let's do one more. 2019 duels. We'll look at the salaries. We'll start with this. You're leaving 1900 on the table. Your starting positions are ranging from 6th to 17th. Again, it's Bubba Wallace in the 17th spot. So there's your Goldilocks zone. Matt DiBenedetto back here. Maybe he had to qualify. I doubt that he had to qualify him, but he's a guy that wants to race. Just want to race, Daddy. Uh, Kevin Harvick goes from 8th to 1st. DiBenedetto 16 to 4. Sinhouse 10 to 2 for the third most fantasy points. Bubba Wallace 17 6. Well, Paul Menard, blast from the past. 6-3, you wouldn't have loved that pick, but that is a way that you could have differentiated, so more power to Team Anti-Sim, this guy's Anti-Sim. The Sim wouldn't have liked Paul Menard 6-3. It would have said he's starting too close to the front. The Sim would have said he's not likely to finish up front. Now you, the man, the human being, uh, the, uh, not Hal, What's the guy in uh, 2001 A Space Odyssey? I can't remember the name of the character. And I almost remember the name of the actor. But, uh, hmm. Del Rip. All right, anyway. So if you're the one who is manually overriding the system, shooting yourself out of the rocket, blasting into the spaceship, and then ripping out the motherboard of how. That's Paul Menard. Space Odyssey 2001 right there. The algorithm, the AI, it's not going to figure that one out. Win for mankind. Small step for mankind. Huge leap for small-time DFS players around the world. Chris Busher, 12 to 7. What are our averages? 12 and 4. So get a little bit more out there on this one. But still, same finishing position. We go to duel number two. We got Clint Boyer, most points, fourth to second. Logano, third to first. Again, one of the things that we're seeing in Duel 2 is it seems to favor those first four drivers more so than any other duel. Duel 1, we got the Daytona 500 pole setter who backs out. And for whatever reason, we see other drivers back out a little more. Fourth to 2, Logano, third to 1. Eric Amarola, 9-3. So Eric Amarola popping up again. Kurt Busch, 10 to 5, right there in the Goldilocks zone. Jamie McMurray, 14 to 7. Still within range. And then last, Denny Hamlin, 6-4. to four. Hamlin getting close to the porridge being too hot, but it's Hamlin. You know he's going to move forward, so no worries there. This one's, though, a little interesting because you couldn't get the top six. You couldn't afford Hamlin or Bush. You had to go down to Ty Dillon, 17th. Then you go down to Kyle Larson, 16th to 12th. But priced a lot lower, being that this was his CGR days. Chip Ganassi Racing. That'll do it for the Fantasy NASCAR Podcast. Hopefully that information will help you build some better dual lineups. Gave you a lot of information there. If you want to look through this data on your own, go to racefortheprize.com. You don't even really need to go to racefortheprize.com. You don't even really need to follow me on Twitter, at racefortheprize, race, the number four, the prize. You simply will Venmo, PayPal, or Cash App. The change over to me, it's not a lot. And the links are on the screen. There's a PayPal link. There's a Venmo link. There's a Cash App link. Or you can probably just search me up in your app. Send it over. I get the alert on my phone. I take your email address. I add it to the sheet. And you're Gucci. There's not much more to it. If you're on the fence, send me an email. 
but I've shown you pretty much everything. And I add more to this sheet every day. I add more sheets every day. There's lap by lap data. There's all kinds of data that you can pour through. Let's just look at something here. Like maybe you are diehard. I don't know. Let's look at. Maybe you're a diehard. You're ready. Like you're done with plates. I don't think you are done with plates, but you want to do a little bit more important research. You want to use your time a little more wisely. I know what I'm doing for the restrictor plate races. I'm good. I've looked at the data. I'm going to use my time a little bit more wisely. I want to look ahead. I want to look at Las Vegas. So there's a specific Las Vegas sheet that I'll throw in there, which will come out officially in a couple days. But for now, you can just simply go back last year's data and look and say, all right, well, what happened in last year's spring Las Vegas race? And not just what are the results and what's the box score say, because the box scores can be misleading. You can just simply go through and look every single lap if it wants to load up for them. Of course, this is the one that's, oh, you're showing a blank screen, you idiot. (laughs) You don't have any data at all. That's because I opened up the 2024 Las Vegas race, which... According to my calendar, hasn't happened yet. That will happen in the future. We can't predict the future. We need to look at the 2023 sheet. So I'll pull up all these past, you can see all the past seasons of data that we got that you can dive through. Let's look at 2023. Let's look at the lap by lap data. Let's look at Las Vegas. We're not just looking specifically at the box score. The algorithms look at the box score. The AI looks at the box score. The big players look at the box score. The touts look at the box score. The diehard grinders like you go in the individual races. And you can dive in and see our optimal lineup on the left of Byron, Larson, Bowman, Wallace, Cindric, Haley. And we can see every lap where they were running. You can watch Justin Haley's progress forward. Colin's been pretty strong at Las Vegas over the last couple of seasons. You can see William Byron dialed in in first, and Kyle Larson constantly nipping at his heels. Right there, pretty static. We can see our cautions. We can see our stage breaks. We can see a green flag pit stop right here on laps 218 through 225. Larson comes into the pit cycle first, and then when all things shake out, he is still in first. William Byron is able to actually gain a spot through the pit cycling. You can see all of this, everything here. And then you can see on lap 264, we get a caution, and that benefits William Byron for the win. Although Byron was already there. It's not like, oh, he stole one from Kyle Larson. Well, he did benefit from this caution late in the race. But if we look at average running position, his was better at 1.7 to 2.2. And we can go even further, folks. For the super nerds out there, considering going to racefortheprize.com, we'll look at the lap times. We can look at specific lap times and see who's falling off faster than others, who's firing off faster than others, who may be phoning it in a little bit, who may be saving a little bit. You can see all these things throughout these runs. And you can come back here and we can look at average speeds. On average basically neck and neck. But if we really go like three digits, four digits, decimal points going out there, Larson was a smidge faster on average with a 30.5 second lap. 
And William Byron was like 30.51. Bowman, Wallace, Bell, they weren't too far back. See, Truex was pretty fast. Didn't quite get the result maybe that he deserved. See if you got any other guys that are pretty fast. Denny Hamlin was laying down some pretty quick laps, but he ends up finishing 11th, although his average lap time was 5th. So that's kind of the day that you could have used after Las Vegas to say, hey, people are going to look at Denny Hamlin's finishing position and say, ah, he's not really running that well. But I have the specific lap times to say his finish should have been much better. Same for Ross Chastain. And maybe I can get a little bit of lower ownership. I can leverage that against the field. Raceforthepride.com. Thanks for joining me. Really blessed to have you guys around. Love you guys. Triple Light's fantastic.